Can we thank God for our choir just one more time? It is an amazing job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not buying this Dr. Waybright sick stuff. He's somewhere practicing his song. That's what he's trying to do. He's probably somewhere in New York getting some vocal coaching from Juilliard or something. It's just not fair. It's not fair. It's not right. So we'll pray for him anyway, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Um, uh, Dr. Wells, 101. And did, did he say he still got his driver's license? As in he driving? Oh, so he had, so they're good till he's 103. Wow. When I moved to California, I failed the driving test twice. <laughs> and he got it till 105? I'll have what he's having. You know, whatever he eating, whatever y'all cooking over there, give me some, a double portion. That's what I need. Um, and it's such a privilege for me to be here on the Sunday where we honor uh, this uh, beautiful woman, Miss Robin Northrup. I tell you, Robin, for our family, has made California feel like Mississippi without the humidity. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, she's just been a blessing to us. She's fed us. She's, uh, shoot, she clothed me yesterday. I flew from, uh, from Dallas uh, yesterday, made it in time to come to the church, and I didn't want to go home. I wanted to spend some time just preparing the message for this weekend. And so I just had my shirt that was in a suitcase, uh, and it was all wrinkled. I said, Robin, do you, y'all got an iron down there in the worship center or something? She's like, oh, don't worry about it. I bring an iron from home. So Ten minutes before the church service last night, Robin downstairs in her office just pressing my, pressing my shirt and ironing it. I put it on the crisp, most crisp shirt I ever wore in my life. And I was like, girl, I'm going to miss you, boy. I'm going to miss you. This new guy, John Stuthers, I hope he know how to iron and cook. I'm telling you that right now. He's got to come with it. He's got some shoes to fill. Uh, but whenever I think of uh, the, the woman in Proverbs 31, uh, this virtuous woman, I always think of Miss Robin Northrup. LaRosa and I were riding the other day just talking about our children and the impact and the people who just really impacted our lives and we couldn't help but think about uh, Robin and Randy and I've been looking at your family looking at your kids and no offense to them but y'all need a little color in y'all family y'all need a little <laughs> need a little color so we 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 decided we were going to make Robin and Randy the California grandparents of our new baby girl Bethany and Zoe uh because uh, we not we need to add something to that picture amen those are our California grandparents. So that does have implications to the will, guys. So just want you to know. Psalm 62 is where you can find me this morning. Psalm 62. Psalm 62. So we continue in this series, Songs of Experience. We turn to David uh, here in this psalm as he begins to deal with this idea of inner conflict. Uh, when you find this passage, would you stand with me as we read God's word? And it reads, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Uh, would all of you throw him down uh, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. Uh, they take delight in lies with their mouths. They bless, uh, but in their hearts they curse. Selah. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope 
comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Selah. Verse 9. Low-born men are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your mind on them. Verse 11, one thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong. And that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. And this is our Father's word. You may be seated. Story of two friends, two young boys, uh, one named Lies, the other named Truth, decided to go swimming one day. But this particular day, when they got to the swimming pool, they decided that they would do something a little differently than they normally do. They got there and they decided, as opposed to swimming normally, they would take all of their clothes off and go skinny dipping. Yep, I said it, skinny dipping. So they jump in the water and they're playing games. They're playing around. They're playing this game called Marco Polo, where one says Marco and the other says you played it before. They play that game, and they play this other game. It really doesn't have a name, but the premise is, the, the, the idea is to see who can stay under the water the longest. So uh, the, whoever holds their breath under the water the longest wins the game. So lies counted off. One, two, three. Truth went down, but lies stayed up. Lies jumped out the water, grabbed his clothes and Truth's clothes, and started heading to the house. All the while, Truth is under the water thinking he's winning the game. Truth jumps up, looks around, sees lies is gone. Goes over to the side and sees that his clothes are gone. So now Truth is forced to walk all the way home. You're already there. You got it. Totally naked. He goes and knocks on Lies' house. Bang, bang, bang. Lies comes to the door. Truth says, man, why did you leave me at the pool? And why did you take my... As a matter of fact, you got my clothes on, man. Why do you take my... Why you got my clothes on? Lies says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been upstairs watching VeggieTales all morning. Truth says, man, you better give me my clothes. So this conflict begins. They start arguing back and forth, and it moves out into the middle of the street. And just like any good junior high fight, what happens? People start gathering around in a big circle, and they start watching this conflict. Lies is like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And Truth is like, man, if you don't give me my clothes, I'm going to hit you in your eye. So this conflict is going on. They're arguing, going back and forth. And the people that are standing around watching this are forced to ask themselves a question, who to believe? Lies and truth's clothing or the naked truth? <laughs> Lies and truth's clothing or the naked truth? Friends, this morning we want to talk about conflict, inner conflict. And we want to talk about those times when you look yourself in the mirror and you're forced to ask yourself the question, who to believe? When you're forced to look deep within who you are and not know who you really are. You've got areas in your life that, 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 that look like the truth, but are dressed up like the truth, but not really the truth. Uh, uh, who, who am I? And, uh, who, who am I really? And am I who people think I am? 
uh, uh, people, people see me, but the people that they see, is that the same person that I see when I look in the mirror? And it gets confusing to me. Am I really who I desire to be? Am I really who they see me to be? Who am I? This looks like the truth, but is that really the truth? It's this idea of conflict, this conflict that, does, that, that doesn't happen out there somewhere, but it happens in the soul, in the heart of man. Uh, there's a new movie, one of the biggest openings in the history of movies, a movie by the name of Dark Knight. Um, how many have you seen The Dark Knight already? Way more than a 9 a.m. service. All right, good. Um, uh, there's this movie, Dark Knight, and throughout the whole movie, it's a movie about Batman. And Batman, from beginning to the end, he's struggling with this question of who, who is he? He's got this inner conflict happen. Is he the hero that the people of the city of Gotham want him to be? Or is, he, or is he this man that wants to get justice regardless of what it takes to get it? Even if it means bending the rules to do the right thing, should he do it? And he battles from beginning all the way to the end of the movie. Who am I? Am I the people that they say I am? Am I the man that I think I am? Or am I the man that I really want to be, the one that wants to bend the rules and get the job done? It's this idea of inner conflict. And I'm convinced that many of us struggle with this reality. It's not just uh, uh, something that we see in scripture, not just something we see on the big screen, but I'm convinced that this is something that, friends, we see in the mirror. It's like the mother who everyone always comes and says, you're always so great. You're at all the events and you always bake the cookies. And it's like you're, all, it's like you're super mom. It's like, wow, how do you accomplish all that? And you got all these kids and you're thinking to yourself, well, you see that. But I really see myself as an overachiever that's trying to compensate for insecurities that I have. I'm trying to overcome the guilt that I feel. The guy at work that says, oh, man, the boss loves you. You always go that extra mile. You always put in extra hours. It's Saturday morning and you're coming into work. The boss just absolutely loves you. You're the favorite. You're the guy. Well, I, I want to grow. I want to be like you. I want to be the company guy like you. You're just the man. He says, well, that's what you see. But within, I see a guy who has to work the extra hours because he doesn't want to go home and face the realities of the tensions that live in his house. Because when he goes home, he doesn't know how to be a dad. When he goes home, he doesn't know how to be a husband to his wife. All he knows how to do is to work. So therefore, I work and I work and I work. And I feel guilty for working so much. But it's all I think I can do well, so I just do it. So as you applaud me, I fight me. Because I'm conflicted. It's like, it's, like, it's like the one who, who comes into this religious setting, who comes to this Christian uh, 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 service, and you come in, but you know, outside of this room, you are tied to a life of sin. You are tied to the life that, 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 that's not satisfying to you, and it's definitely not satisfying to God, but you come into this place and you see and you hear the redemptive story of Christ. You see the power of the cross, and you see and you see that desire. You say, I want that life, but I'm tied to the sin that's in my life. And as I want that, honestly, I want this too. It's like, I want, I want all of the pleasures of the world, but I want all the benefits of God. And I find myself conflicted. It's like the Christian who, who knows that their desire and their hope is to live all that God has called them to live. Although if you look back over your life, you see that your life lately hasn't been measuring up to the standard of God. Honestly, it hadn't even been measuring up to your own standard. And it's this conflict of this person who you want to be and the reality of this person that you've been.
And then we pack up in our cars and we all come to church. And we see each other and we look around in a room like this and we look around and we look at families, we look at couples, we look at people looking in and it's like, wow, all these people look so well put together. Nobody looks like there's a conflict going on. This guy, look, he's got a great smile, got a great shirt on. This guy can't have a conflict. Look at this lady. She's all pretty and nice and dressed up in a purple top. There's no way in the world this lady's got a conflict going on. All of these beautiful, beautiful people and then those, those that are not so much. But they all look like they're just in here, just put together. And we look and we say, wow, I must be the only one with conflict. You can look at other couples and say, look at these couples. You, 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 and just to look at them, you never tell that they got into a big fight in the parking lot. You, you see that great couple? You, you never tell. He slept on the couch last night. That's why he's sitting all funny because his back is hurting. We look in a place like this and we just don't think that in our life there's conflict. Well, friends, you know there's conflict in this room. And I know that there are people who've come into this place today in a fight with themselves. And I want to encourage you, because as we come to worship the great I Am, the great Jehovah, we come to this place not to focus on the issues in our life, but that through those issues we will begin to look above our circumstance, look beyond our conflict, look beyond our conflict and see the power of Christ. Because you know when we live all that he's called us to live, when we, when we fulfill his calling on our life, there is no duality. There is no two, but there is one. There is singleness. There is wholeness. Here it is. There's shalom. There is peace. Because when you're fighting with yourself, there is no peace. When you're wrestling with yourself, when there's conflict happening, there is no rest. You can sleep all night but still not have any rest. It's my prayer that when we come into a place, when we come into this place, that we would focus on the one great God and that in him He would bring singleness and oneness and focus to our lives to where it's not no longer this duality that we we struggle with, but a oneness and a wholeness. And that we would leave a place like this feeling the love of God and walking in the peace and rest of God. That is my prayer for each and every one of us this morning, that we would leave this place experiencing the peace and the rest that he has ordained for us to have. You were created to have the peace and the rest of God. Your life may not look like it. You, you look at your circumstances and say, you, you, you don't know my life, brother. I got, I got some drama. Let me tell you, in the midst of all that drama, you were designed and created to have peace and rest. That's God's part, purpose for you. Amen? Oh, y'all don't believe it. Would you just turn to your neighbor and just say, neighbor? Neighbor is the person sitting beside you. I know. I'm just helping you out. Just turn to them. Look at them. Look. Turn away from me. That means you're not looking at me. You're looking at them. All right. Say, neighbor, God's plan for your life is peace and rest. It's yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't you feel close to him now? Isn't that good? You're going to spend the next two hours with him. You might as well have fun, huh? I'm preaching today, Jack. Okay. All right. 
To help us with this, David writes in Psalm 62, this song, this, 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 this poem reads like a song. It reads like a song. It has three stanzas, and each of these stanzas are separated by this, by this term, uh, uh, a selah. Selah. It, it's, it could easily be considered a musical term. Which it's when the music stops and pauses and there's an interlude. Uh, uh, some scholars refer to it as this concept, this idea of pausing, listening, and reflecting. So as each stanza goes, in between the stanza, David pauses, listens, and reflects on that that he heard. As we look at these stanzas with David, it's our prayer that we would learn how to deal with our conflict as we see David deals with his conflict. Read it with me. Psalm 62, verse 1. Here it is. David says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Uh, uh, You you know, our our scriptures are are translated. And uh, uh, and NIV comes close to the full meaning of this, but they, they lose something in translation. That little first part where it says, He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. We'll see this clearly as we look at this passage, but the idea here is, it's is not David saying, I will never be shaken, but there's a sense of, of, of question. There's a sense of doubt in the original. To, to translate it more appropriately, it's more like, I won't be shaken greatly. I, I, I won't be shaken too much, if you will. L- listen to what he goes on. You, you'll hear the fear. You'll hear the doubt. Listen to what he says. Verse 3, he says, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David here is clearly, if you listen to that, David is clearly in a very shaky place. It's as if, it's as if he's, he's in a real unstable place. And, and he's speaking and he's saying, I know the Lord is my refuge. He is my salvation. And I won't be shaken too much. I, I won't be greatly shaken. It's almost as if he's bracing himself because the, the shake is going to come, but it won't be too bad. He says, the Lord is my salvation. I'm sure David reflects on time and time again where he's seen the, the salvation of the Lord and his saving grace coming in and delivering, whether it was from the lion or, or the time he fought the bear or, or the time he fought Goliath. Time and time again, David had been saved. So he know he says, the Lord is my salvation. And I, I won't be shaken too much. And, and, and then he goes on and he says, how long will you assault me? The English Standard Version says, so many men against one man? He, he says, how long will you come against me? How long? He says, look at me. I'm a, I'm a leaning wall. I'm a tottering fence. I'm already half done. I'm on, the, I'm on my last leg. I'm already leaning. I'm already bruised. I'm already wounded. How long will you assault a wounded, bruised man? Can't you see me? Can't you see that I'm almost gone? I've almost lost hope. And now you continue this assault? It says, you take delight in life. You, you like this. You enjoy beating down a man when he's down. You enjoy destroying a man. How long? Look at me. I'm bent over. I'm done. I'm leaning. How long will you beat a broken man down? You take delight in the lies. How long will you persecute me? How long will you beat me? And he says the worst part about it is, 
You bless me with your mouth. You bless me with your mouth. Oh, but in your heart, in your heart you curse me. With your mouth you say, yes, King David, we're for you. King David, you're the greatest. King David, you're number one. But oh, in your heart, you despise me. You beat me. You want to see my death. That's an old Motown song that says they smile in your face all the time. They're trying to take your place. They backstabbers. Now, come on, don't act like y'all don't know Motown in here. Do y'all don't know Motown? I'm going to have to change churches if y'all don't know Motown. Do y'all know Motown? In- all right, okay, all right. He says the worst part about it is I'm alone. I'm afraid. I know God is able. I know the scriptures. I know the songs. I know, I know God is, so I'm not one without religion. I know God is able. I know he's done it before. But now I just don't know. I'll be shaken. But I won't be shaken too bad. Not only that, but he looks around and he doesn't know who to trust. He's all alone. And David is restless and has no peace because he's conflicted within Selah. I'm sure he pauses. He reflects. He thinks. And from that place, this pause is a pregnant pause. And in the silence, he makes this declarative statement. He says, find rest, O my soul. It's as if in that sila, in that pause, in that interlude, he makes up in his mind that I can't stay like this. Find rest, O my soul. I've got to find rest. And he goes on and he says, for God is my, here it is, hope. He, he, he's not just my salvation because he has been my salvation, but he turns a, a futuristic, godlike expectation. He says, not only has he been my salvation, but he will be and he is my hope. Ba- basically, David is allowing his past experiences with God to provoke him to look forward to a godlike expectation and say, not only is he my salvation, but in him I look forward and he is my hope. Hope. I hope and I trust in him. He is my refuge. It's almost like, you know, you know, in, 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 when, when preachers get to going, it's like them, them finding their, their, their groove. Uh, groove. Let me see. Y'all know Motown. Y'all probably know what groove is. Uh, let me see. Groove. It's like, it's like you find your rhythm. It's like you get that extra win. It's like you get that extra kick. It's like something extra kicks in. It's kind of, it's kind of what Brett Favre is hoping to happen in these next couple of days. He's, He's hoping some extra kind of kicks in. He says he, he, he's finding his help. It's like, it's like he's inspired and he's encouraging himself. He says, my salvation and my honor is found in God. My, my, my whole life depends on my ability to come from this place and to move to the place where God has called me to be. God is my fortress. God is my refuge. He begins to inspire himself. It's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a, a Rocky movie. You, you know, in a, in a Rocky movie, you know that Rocky is turning the corner when what happens? When that music kicks in. When that music kicks in, man, you just get inspired and you're like, wow. Rocky's about to start doing it. Rocky's about to take off, and Rocky just kind of starts running, and he starts slow, and then he kind of speeds up, 
and you're watching it, and you almost want to get up and run, but then you remember you're too fat to be running, so you just sit down and let Rocky run, you know? And, and you know that in that moment, something is happening. That means cut it off. I, was just, I didn't want to say it. I was, you know, on TV, they'd be like, and then they just cut it off. Like, we didn't practice. Okay. It's almost as if David heard the spiritual music coming down from heaven. And he's saying, my soul has got to find rest. I can't live like this. I've got to move from this place of shakiness and restlessness and conflict. And I've got to move to the place where God has called me to be. Soul find rest. Find rest in God. David begins to center. It's kind of like one of those Rocky movies. Rocky was in a fight and uh, he, he was getting beat up pretty bad. And he called Polly. He called the train over and he said, he said, Hey, yo, yo, Polly, I'm, I'm getting beat up, man. It's like, I, I see three of them, Polly. I see three. I see three of them. I see, and I, I can't hit all of them. I see three. Polly says, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> he said, focus in. Don't, don't get caught up with the distractions. Focus in and the one in the middle. It's kind of like binoculars. You know, when you have binoculars, if you have them too wide, you see two images. But when you bring them in... It brings focus and you see one. If you got a little bitty head, you bring it in a little more. And then you see one. It's like this idea of bringing in focus. David began to get focus on what was most significant and what was powerful. And that was that God is his hope. No longer living in two worlds, but focusing in on the one. Centering in on what God had for him. Uh, I remember growing up. I went to a small church, wasn't, wasn't this big, and uh, we, we had three, three aisles, and when we took up offering, we had to walk around to give our offering. See, that, that just perks that come at this church. You ain't even got to get up and give offering, you know, you just sit there, we just bring the place to you. You ought to throw an extra tip for that, you know? Now, <laughs> I ain't have to get up, there you go, you know? But, but we had to get up and we'd walk around and we'd have three deacons and the deacons and one would stand at this aisle and then one would stand in the middle and the other would, would stand over here. And, and old Deacon Sonny, I remember Deacon Sonny, uh, he would say, uh, if, if those of you, if you want change, see the man in the middle. Because I guess folks that have big bills and they want change. So if you want change, you just go and, you know, work that out and then go, you know. So it's kind of it's cool, you know. So I remember one day sitting in church and watching that and hearing Deacon Sonny say that. And I, I was just having a spiritual moment. I just looked up and I just thought about Calvary. I thought about Calvary and on the, on the right hand there was a thief beside Jesus. And on the left hand there was a thief beside Jesus. And in the center there was Jesus hanging on the cross. And I said if Deacon Sonny was there on, on Calvary's hill, I wonder if he would turn over and say, if you want change, see the man in the middle. If you want change, see the man in the middle. Friends, this morning, if you want change, focus in on the man in the middle. If you want peace, it's found in the man in the middle. David recognized that it was in the one in the middle. It was in Jesus Christ. It was being centered in God that I find peace. And he is my Fortress. This idea of fortress is this, this concept of, of the, it, it was used in, in military times as a defense against the enemy. It, it, it was a strong place. David was saying, he is my, here it is, my strong place. 
I go to him because he defends me. He covers me. He protects me. He is my strong place. He says, I will go to my strong place. And I can just imagine David coming from a shaky place, headed to the strong place in God, coming. And I just thought of an old hymn that we used to sing in my church. And I can just hear David speaking these words. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. And to see David wanting the peace and the wholeness of God. And it's our prayer that as you come into this place, whether you're conflicted, whether you have issues, whether you're heavy burdened with the weights of life, that you will come into this place, come to the strong place in God, that you will get before your mighty fortress, the Lord our Savior Jesus Christ, and say, fill my cup, fill it up, and Jesus, make me whole. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you rest, but it's only found in the strong place, the fortress of God, Selah. He pauses. He thinks. He reflects. And out of this pregnant pause, he gets an epiphany. He speaks and he says, Low men are breath, and high men are lie. Basically what he's saying is, I'm sure he's reflecting on all the folk that he was thinking about and all the people he was worried about, and he was like, poor people are just a breath, and rich people are lie. Basically he's saying, I was worried about that? I, I was worried about them? It's like after he goes through this process, it's almost as if he woke up and just starts saying, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. All of a sudden, he can see clearly, and it's like he has perspective. He looks back on that shaky season. He looks back on those rough places with all the stuff that he was worried about, all the things that were shaking him, all the things that he was worried about leaning him and destroying him. And he gets centered on God, and he gets to this place where he looks back and say, I was worried about that. When I take, he says, he says when I take all of the things that I was worried about, and if I put them on a scale and took the mighty fortress of God and dropped it on the scale, all of my issues would be thrown up. Would be thrown away. It's like, it's like me taking this, this pretty young little girl right here. What's your name, sweetie? Samantha. Me taking Samantha. And y'all, y'all, did y'all ever play on the seesaw? Remember the seesaw? It's like me taking Samantha and putting her on this end of the seesaw. And then me with my big self. Jumping on this end of the seesaw, and I jump on. What's going to happen to Samantha? Samantha going to be with Jesus. She going up, hey, Jesus, whoa, you know what I mean? That's what David is saying. David is saying, if you take all the stuff that you're worried about, if you take all the stuff that I had weighting my life down, if I took it and I put it on a scale, and then I put the mighty fortress of God on the same scale, all of my problems are going to be with Jesus. They're going away. He says, 
God is my strength. He's my fortress. It closes with this. He says, Lord, one thing you've said, two things I've heard. It's this common uh, concept in Hebrew writing. The two uh, point to the greater truth of the one. He says, the Lord, my God, is strong. And the Lord, my God, is loving. God, God, you're strong enough to deal with my enemies, but you're loving enough to hold me and to comfort me in my time of trouble. God, you're strong enough to defeat those who are trying to harm me and to hurt me, but God, you're loving enough to bring healing to the wounded places of my soul. You're strong and you're loving. You're strong and you're loving. And in your strength and in your love, I find rest. I find rest in your strength and in your love. Today, you may come in this place carrying the heaviness of life, carrying the weights of the world. Let David encourage you. He says, the weights of the world are but a breath. They're light compared to the weight of God. How do you respond to a message like this? What do you what do you want to say? I would encourage you to respond with Sila. Stop. Listen. Reflect. See God moving in the shakiness of your life. See him bringing you to a place of singleness and focus. It is in that place that his mighty, that his mighty fortress that your prayer becomes, Lord, fill my cup. Fill it up. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can begin to experience what was destined and designed for you to have. Through his strength and through his love, his rest and his peace in your life for his glory. Amen. Amen. For the last few weeks, we've been having you bring something to the wall. Today, we want to have you take something. In your bulletin, you see there, there's this passage that talks about God's strength and his love. I would encourage you to take those home and put them somewhere that you go often. Me, it'll be on my refrigerator. Uh, you may want to put it in your checkbook or gentlemen in your wallet or on the bathroom mirror. Put it somewhere so that when moments of conflict arise in your life and you feel the temptation to take on the weight of the world, that you will remember that through the power and the love of Jesus Christ, you have been ordained to have rest and peace. It is for you. It is for you in this season of your life. While John sings this song and as we leave and while I pray, you may want to write some conflicts down that come up regularly so that way you can just look over and see that passage and be reminded of God's strength and his love in your life. That's our prayer for you today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your strength and for your love. God, as I look around this room, I know that there are many who have come heavy, carrying the weights of the world. I pray that today, as we focus on who you are, as we focus on your glory and your strength, that we would bring into focus the oneness of our soul, that we would bring in to, to, to peace and to shalom and to wholeness all of the things that have us, 
have us uh, duplicated and conflicted in our lives. God, may we leave this place one, focused on who you've called us to be. Help us today, God, to focus on the one in the middle, because that's where our change comes from. We focus on you, God. May you bring us wholeness. May you bring us peace. May we rest in your strength and in your love. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.